So, Graeme, thanks for your time. Thanks, you, Brad. You were uh, a very fit and very fast footballer. How fast were you? Um, well, I had a fair amount of uh, success in the professional ranks. Uh, when I was at high school, I, uh, I managed to get into the, uh, the all-Victorian all high school's final in the 100 metres. Never managed to win it, but I won the uh, Victorian high school's 400 metres uh, event one year. But running as a professional, I suppose that I, I put some good times together, so I don't think I was anywhere near, uh, you know, at an Olympic standard, but uh, probably uh, over my career, I... I I was pretty quick. I used to be able to run the hundreds in about ten three, which is sort of in those days, you know, was was reasonable. Anything under ten seconds was always considered a pretty good time. Gee, that's pretty good. Ten three. <laughs> yeah, it was quick. Now you, I, I know Dad won a couple. Or, well, Dad won a, a gift, I think. You also won a couple, didn't you? Yeah, I won a couple. Dad and uh, and I were we trained with Bill Baromio in in the off season, and uh, Bill was was very encouraging us for to you know to go in events because it always helped our fitness, but also gave us a bit of extra uh, extra money. And uh, I managed to win. I think sort of first race I went in, oh. I came third or something, and my handicap sort of got knocked back. And then I managed to uh, win the Leon Gatha gift, the Dandenong gift, and the Maribor gift. So in a couple of seventy five meters. As well, so you know, about five events in the pro circuit I managed to win, which was uh, helped me buy a car in the beginning. With the money that you got, you bought the car. I got my first car when I won the Maribor gift. That's right. Yes. What did you, what did you buy, Graham? I got a Cortina. <laughs> An old Cortina. What yep, colour was uh, it? Uh, was uh, was blue, but <laughs> that was the whole objective. That uh, you know, coming through university, I was at uni at the time and got a bit of money from football. But that was the only way you can put some money together. So I set oh. myself and uh, won the Maribor gift and came away with a car, which was fantastic. Now, was Bill himself a runner? Yeah, Bill was a runner. Bill ran as a professional for years and right, years okay. and day. And um, Bill was never that quick, but you know the handicapping system was always uh, very accommodating. And Bill had quite a bit of success as a runner in his day. And then, obviously, with his love for football and the under-19s and uh, the work he did around the club, um, he was the go-to man over the summer who helped us all out with our running. So, so where would he take you training? Uh, we used to actually train on the ground or just over on Gosh's paddock. There was a little athletic track at the uh, other side of uh, the footbridge, which used to run from uh, across from one side of the uh, MCG railway line to the other. So really? we used to go across there, or, or Gosh's, and we used to do a little bit of work on the, on the actual ground itself. And then we'd all enter in um, events at the weekend. So it was a good way of sort of keeping together over the summer as well. So did you did you ever did you run competitively against Dad? Yes, yes, yes. Dad and I used to have, um, we used to train together and we used to have great battles. <laughs> uh, Kevin used to have me, uh, well and truly by the 50 metre mark, but by right. the time we got to, by the time we got to the 120 mark, I was running over the top of him. Right. So it was usually the case of, yeah, Dad, as you know, brilliant speed, out of the blocks, he was just like lightning. And I always had trouble sort of getting, you know, we used to train all the time together and, I'd always say that Kevin over 50 would beat me, but over 120, I'd probably just have his measure towards the end. <laughs> who do you think, who were some of the quick players around your time? Um, obviously, there was there was quite a, quite a few. I played on Mickey Turner. Mickey Turner was, was very quick. When I first started, Tony Polinelli was the benchmark. Um, Tony Polinelli was, uh, he, he, he made the final of the, the Bendigo 2000 and things like that. So, the Geelong player, he was very quick. Um, uh, Wayne Schimmelbush. Shimmer had a, had a bit of go on him as well. Shimmer was always hard to keep up with. But, you know, every time you went out in the wing, there was always someone out there who was who was fairly quick and uh, fairly hard to keep up with. I played on Neil Bazanko a couple of times. Well, he was a super, he was a big man as well. Yeah. He was always very hard. 
Well, you, you said before you were doing, you were at uni. Yep. What were you studying? Uh, I did economics and politics uh, at Monash. Uh, oh, right. After I after I finished uh, year twelve, I I went straight through and uh, did the economics degree out there. And uh, three and a half years it took me to get through, and that was sort of a, a great way of combining uh, fitness training, study, and football. It was probably one of the reasons I was able to sort of maintain my, my level of fitness and and uh, you know keep the speed up because I had plenty of time when you're studying at uni. You got a lot of time on your hands, and <laughs> I actually I, I used to call university. In my nine to nine to twelve job, and then football started at twelve o'clock. So I used to make sure all my lectures and everything was in the morning, wow. so I could have the afternoon for training. If they were, if I had a lecture in the afternoon, I just didn't go to it. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> just didn't turn up. Yeah, I didn't go. I just got someone ah, to take the notes for me, and uh, that's why it took me three and a half years rather than three to get through. It was a little bit uh, sluggish at times, but no, it was just a, it was a perfect uh, combine with with football and uh, and uh, training and study. I have this I have this idea that. Richmond would have picked you or would have saw you because you were such a quick athlete. Is that how you got to Richmond? Did someone see you? Yeah, run? it was it was it was a funny one because uh, I, I was playing playing in the my actually my high school team and I was only in uh, year would have been what's in these days year nine, which is third form. And they came out to watch a kid who was playing in uh, in year eleven, and I happened to be this little little whippersnapper who was actually in the senior side at the time, and I was, used to be fairly quick, and I was you know shooting around the forward line, and the the guy they came out to look at uh, was Ray Jordan. And and uh, Graham Richmond came out and had a look at it. And then, you know, after the game, they, they came up to me and said, well, listen, son, you know, we think you might have a future. Um, so I, I, was, I was the one they invited down to training. It wasn't uh, the other guy they came to watch. Oh, so the four, he, never, he never made it in the end? Uh, he ended up going to Hawthorne under-19s, never, oh. never played in the seniors or the reserves. But, yeah, it was, it was just a case of being there at the right time. And, you know, I just happened to sort of impress on the day. And because I was sort of probably playing with guys two or three years, my senior, and I was sort of... Of, you know, I was so fast and I was managing to get into the action. I, my skills weren't as, you know, as crash hot, but the fact that I had this sort of blistering pace really uh, made them take notice. I didn't realise this, that you actually played a couple of games in 67. Uh, yeah, I started in the under-19s. I played the under-19s yeah. in 1968. Was, played, that played was the under whole season. Was it? That was under 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 Ray Jordan. Yep. I played uh, the I played with with Rex and Royce Hart, um, and a guy by the name of David Jacks. He oh, played one game. Yes. Uh, we were the only three guys from that side that actually went on to play the under 1968 uh, under 19s. Actually went on to play a game of senior football. In in 1967, I was appointed captain of the under 19s oui. and um, started off the season with the first couple of games as captain of the under 19s, and then uh, three weeks into the year they popped me up in to the reserves and uh, played about seven or eight games in the reserves and then I managed to get a couple of uh, games in the seniors uh, during 67 as well. So who was coaching the reserves? Uh, Johnny Nix. Johnny Nix. Johnny Nix was the coach of the reserves in those days, yeah. So I, I just came on. I, I played on the wing mostly. Mostly, I remember, I remember the first couple of games I actually played. Um, in the, those days, the uh, under-19s were played at 2 o'clock on the opposite ground to the seniors, and the reserves used to play in the morning uh, prior to the senior game. I know, actually, a couple of weeks I'd play in the reserves, yeah. and then you know I'd, I'd, I'd leave the game sort of 20 minutes into the, uh, the last quarter, and they'd, they'd grab a cab and they'd drive me out to the under-19 game, and you'd play in the under-19 in the afternoon. It was just an amazing situation. I'm not playing that. How would you be these yeah. days playing, two, playing for two sides on the one day? Yeah. 
crazy and, stuff, and but that's what used to happen. They had the transport all ready for you to go? Yeah, they had the transport. A couple of times it was Dad or someone was there. <laughs> well, it might have been a cab. It was a team manager or someone was there to pick me up and sort of, you know. They quite often happened where they had a couple of guys, but they'd, they'd put you up for the under-19s and give you a bit of a run. You'd sit on the bench. You wouldn't play the whole game, but you might come on early in the game in those days when there was no interchange. They might have to, to bring you on. So, yeah, that was sort of the, my first start. And then from there, it was sort of once I'd, once I'd played those couple of games, I, I never went back to the under-19s. Yes, because in 67, you were, you played round 10, round 15, round 16. Yep. Was there was there ever a thinking that you could actually play in the finals that year yourself? Ah uh, no no. When you it look at the quality, of, when you look at the quality of the players who uh, who were at Richmond when they managed to win the flag uh, in '67 after that very long drought, there was no way that I was going to break into that side. But for some, you know, unforeseen injuries to half a dozen of the senior players, you look <laughs> at the Burke, the centre line of Burke, Barrett and Clay, and you look at Kevin and Billy Brown as the, the two small men. Johnny Northian on on the flank. There was sort of the positions that I was lucky to get were well, well and truly taken up by you know absolute superstars. Did you did you go? to the 67 Premiership Grand Final match? 67? Oh, well, I played in the other 19... Oh, sorry, I played in the reserves oh, that day. Oh, you played that right. Yeah, we, play, I played North, we played North Melbourne in the reserves right. on the same day. So I was, I was running around before the, as the curtain raiser and uh, we got beaten by North in that Grand Final. I played on Bertie Johnson, who was a, a real tough, hard nut and... Uh, they ran over the top of us uh, after half time, but yeah, I played uh, the, under, uh, the uh, reserves grade final in, in 67. So did you play... Any premierships in the reserves or under 19s? No, no, just, right. it was just the one, there just the 69, 69 grand final. Uh, I played in a premiership with Burwich United my year before going to the under 19s. Oh, okay. um, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, 68, we 68 were probably second on the ladder in the um, in the under 19s, and then uh, Sluggard had this little habit of bringing blokes in and playing them and uh, not putting their right name on the to- on the team sheet, and uh, we lost all our points for the uh, 12 games that a guy played and uh, instead of being uh, finishing second on the ladder that we, we were down the bottom so uh, 68 feet were the best side of the competition never got to play a final that's right yeah I think you're exactly right it just didn't go that was the reserves wasn't it or the under 19 no, that was the under 19 yes, yeah, we, right. we lost all our points for playing uh, uh, a guy with the wrong uh, name Lock- no, not, was it Lachlan no, uh, Trevor Lachlan yes yeah. Or Keithy Lachlan, someone like that, yeah, but it was just... I, I don't know if that was his real name or that was the false name, but anyway... Did, you, did they ever put you under an alias? No, never. No, no, because no, no, I, I, my, my name was sort of, you know, I was always played myself, but there was always guys suddenly bob up in the under-19s. You never know who they were, and, yeah, they used to bring them down sort of so other clubs wouldn't know they were playing. Can I ask, did you remember the first time you met Tom Hafey? Uh, first time I met Tom Hafey was uh, when I was actually playing in the under under nineteens in uh, in sixty eight, and uh, Tommy was he kept a very close eye on on the players coming through. And I remember he he came to training one night and uh, uh, introduced himself to everybody. And Slug was obviously uh, good enough to sort of you know know, introduce him to all the players. And yeah, that was the first time I met Tommy. And yeah, it was just a, yeah. So yeah, a never, a never lasting uh, memory of of Tommy. What a huge influence he had on my life. I saw. I was watching a video just before of you presenting to Guernsey last year, um, before a Richmond game, and yep. you talked about that Tommy presented your first Guernsey. Is that right? Yes, he did. Yep. Was that, sorry, um, was that, are we talking, was that a training or be, I mean, it wasn't as formal, I guess, as what it is now. No, nah, it wasn't formal, I guess, it was the start, I think it was the start of the season, yeah. they just handed out jumpers. <laughs> um, yeah, so, 
that was sort of the way they used to, used to do it. The busy Dewey Sabbath little, you know, everyone's lined up and they, you know, they gave you a jump and a wear and, yeah, it was, uh, it and, was good. And you tell the story how he sort of left you with some messages that you still remember and you actually passed them on when you handed out the Goonsie last year as well about you only get one day boo sort of thing, you know, play every game like it's that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's that sort of, the, you know, that was, that was uh, you know, you do, you, you, you either play your first game once. Uh, you don't get a chance, you know, you, you might change clubs, but it's still not your first game. You only get one ever first game. Yeah. Uh, you might, you're lucky enough to get a lot after that, and some blokes were not lucky enough uh, to ever get another one. So uh, I think it's something at the time, you think, well, you know, this, this, this is my first game, but it might be my last as well. Just yeah, make the most of the opportunity, because you just don't know whether you'll ever get another one. Yeah. Um, at the time, I thought I was so lucky to get a game, that, you know, you're not thinking about the future. All you're thinking about is that, that one particular day, and you thought, well, okay, if, you know, I make the most of this and I do the right thing and I, I take my chances there might be some more that uh, more that follow but if if you don't well you've you've played a senior game which uh, is the aspiration of everyone they start out you want to just okay the ambition is to play league football did you go through your career practically injury free or not uh, major injuries. Uh, I had a, I had a shoulder problem. I had a shoulder, bad shoulder injury when I was down at some after uh, my third last year when I was at St Kilda. But my career at Richmond, really, apart from some soft tissue injuries and a, a bit of a groin problem, which I carried in the latter part of my career. Yes, I never had anything more than a you know a sprained ankle or you know just a, a bit of bruising here and there. But yeah, right. really, really major injuries. It was only a shoulder that I did at St Kilda. Um, was the only thing that I sort of came away from football with something that was sort of going to be there for the rest of my life. Were you ever reported, Graham? Uh, never reported. Oh, um, well done. I had uh, many visits to the tribunal as the player who'd been offended against. <laughs> Did you? Uh, and uh, I think oh, I probably counted up five times at the tribunal, uh, five, I think five times of being hit as a player and one time as being hit as a runner. So I had, a, I had a good record of being on the end of uh, on the end of other blokes' elbows and fists. Oh, hold on. Was this when you were a runner? Was it for Sydney? But I was running for Sydney, right. yeah. Jeez. But uh, I think it was uh, Kevin Neal got four weeks for hitting me. Uh, Ronnie Andrews got four weeks for hitting me. Ronnie Wearmouth got four weeks for hitting me. Ray Biffin got off. And then Steve McPherson got fined $1,000 for whacking me as a runner. So. Great, you've got some pretty tough guys hitting you. There's a lot of tough guys. A lot of tough names there, the guys that got me. Did you deserve... Oh, yeah, and Cowboy Neal got four weeks as well. Did you deserve any of them? In most cases, they were the situation where I was I was hit from the side or behind. None of them were actually sort of like punches. They were all oh, sort right. of, you know elbows to the head or, or strikes to the back of the you know round arm swings and things like that. Right. Um, you know, I think they were mostly elbows um, in those days. The old, the old elbow to the head was the one that they didn't like very much, and particularly if it sort of you know you did get reported because there's no video in those days and you know the. the the old tribunal uh, chairman, he was sort of pretty much adamant that if a bloke got hit with the head with an elbow and the umpire reported and saw it, then that was it, you were guilty. You were gone. Yep. Now, a good memory is 1969 where in the grand final, you're sitting on the bench, aren't you, to start the I game? Sat, I sat on the, sat on the bench. I, Tommy loved me in 1969 because I, I had, I think, 17 games or 16 games that year, but I'd had about nine on the bench. And up until the grand final, we'd won every one of them. Every game I'd sat on the bench, we'd won. Right. And um, coming to the finals, I sat on the bench in uh, in all of the finals. And uh, Tommy was sort of always telling me that I was the I was the, not his good luck charm, but I was if I, if I was on the bench, I could come on and kick a goal. And 
you know, get a couple of kicks and sort of my pace, and that was always sort of the advantage. And uh, yeah, I sat on the bench, uh, Rex, Rex Hunt and I, who oh. we started together and we uh, we finished together. But yeah, we sat on the bench in the '69 Grand Final, and I managed to get on the ground a little bit earlier than Rex, and managed to get my hands on. I went actually went to full forward. Imagine a bloke five foot nine playing at full forward in a Grand Final these days. But uh, who, Eric who Moore, Eric, Eric Moore came off. Eric was at full forward, oh, and right. uh, what's he uh, I think he was just—he took Enough. a very—he took a very heavy knock yeah. um, just before, and he was shake up a bit at three-quarter time, and he was sort of starting to struggle a bit, and uh, they pulled me off and sent me to full forward and uh, told me to go and play in Wes Loft. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome <laughs> or, to the game. Or, or, or Vinnie Waite, or one of those guys. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah. Had had you played full forward before? Um, not in not not not, not for Richmond seniors. Yeah, no. certainly in the grand final. <laughs> yeah, go on a full forward in the grand final. But you know, Tommy just said like, get out there, use your pace, you run run around the ground. My position was full forward, but you know, he didn't care where I went. You know, in those days, what, watching, as long as you run. Watching the replay, Dad kicks the ball into the goal. Yes, I think yeah, he's, Kevin, I think he's yeah. going for goal. Let's be honest. The KKB tried to kick the goal, and uh, I managed to intercept on the goal line. You have. And I, so, don't, I don't think it would have bounced. I think it would have, it would have missed. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you saved it from going out of bounds or something like that. Yeah, that's and right. So, you, so you've kicked. This was your. How many goals did you kick that day? That was that was my one kick, my one goal. Hold that on, was did, it. Did you not? Yeah, had, a, had a couple of touches before that, but no, that was that was it. One mark, one kick, one goal. What I love about your kick, you probably won't remember this, but when I watched it again, because you, you're about five metres out, you kick it and then you hold your kicking pose after, <laughs> after you kick it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, that that was that was part of um, what I was tried to. Uh, oh. my, my, I, had, I had a problem with dropping dropping the ball. Uh, I, I used to drop it with two hands, and I you know, I had this sort of my, I, Kevin Icy Hamilton, who was a a uh, fantastic guy around the club. Kevin and I had worked on my kick in, and that was one of the things he taught me. That sort of uh, a bit like a golf swing. That when you finish it, you you, you follow through and you, you stay there just to make sure that you, you watch where that leg goes and kick 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 straight down the line. Make sure you you make contact with the ball and the, the leg goes exactly where you want it to go. And kicking for goal was one of the things I practiced a lot. Well, I'm glad I noticed it then. Yes, yes. You. No, that was that was part of part of the uh, my preparation to make sure that sort of, I, I actually kicked through the ball and uh, I dropped it onto my boot and made sure that if I it kept my head down and my leg came straight through and stayed exactly where the, it was pointing the ball should go in that direction. Uh, now, can I just take another five minutes of your time? Is that all right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, so you dro- you dropped the ball with both hands. Yes, so I, I had a I had a strange I had a strange way that I you know right-handed and everything but I used to bounce the ball with my left hand. And when I when I first started playing football, I used to just sort of push the ball down onto my boot with both hands. So there was never any real guiding. Right. Um, I sort of the hands used to come away at the same time, and that's what I had to work on is just keeping that right hand because it was sort of a, my left hand was my dominant hand, sort of controlling the football. Oh, right. um, okay. So it was sort of one of those things I had to overcome or learn learn to do it properly. I never really sort of uh, uh, got it right, but uh, under pressure they used to go a little bit astray. But, yeah, it was one of those things that sort of growing up, I never really sort of guided the ball correctly. Did your father play football? Yeah, Dad Dad played football well, for a long time, played with Camberwell, played with Williamstown, played with Box Hill, right. had a very decorated uh, VFA career. Um, Sorry, what's, to, what was went, his name, Graham? Uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Bond. Right. Went, to Mel- went to Melbourne in, uh, I think it was 1937 or no, maybe 1938, played in the reserves and then... Um, Something like the Second World War happened in 1939, oh. and Dad uh, Dad went into these, the services and 
uh, never got his chance to sort of continue on with what uh, what chance he had. But he did play a number of reserve games uh, the year before the war. Came back after after the war and then played uh, VFA football. Captain coached Box Hill. Captain coached Campbell in the in the VFA. Did he talk much about his experience with World War? Uh, never, no. no, never, never got, never got anything um, of the, his uh, war. Right. He played a bit of um, army, army sort of uh, football and things like that, but oh. never got much out of whatever, whatever he did. But yeah, sort of. And uh, when I was growing up, Dad was secretary of Campbell in the VFA, so oh, wow. I was sort of, was we used to be. I remember going to the football at Campbell uh, from a very early age, and you know, kicking the ball around on the ground at uh, quarter time and <laughs> half time and three quarter time down at the Campbell Oval. Gosh. If, you, if I look at your stats, I see we get to 1973 and you're playing a couple of games and then there's nothing. <laughs> now, I mean that in the nicest possible way. What, did you leave halfway through the season? Uh, what happened, Rhett, was that uh, 1972 was my... Uh, I, I graduated from university in the middle of 1972. Never had a job in my life. And uh, I got uh, got a job with General Motors Holland as a, a trainee, um, junior manager type thing. I went to work. And uh, I got I got given a job, and you know, it was, 72 was great, but you know, the sort of the pressures of work were, were mounting, and got married at the end of 1972. Come 1973, in about six weeks into the year, I got transferred from uh, Fishman's Bend with my job to Dandenong. And, you know, here I am sort of just just married, um, working at Dandenong right. in a job that sort of like never had a job before in my life. And here you are, you're thrown into a, a work situation and, you know, you're getting reasonable money and you come around to sort of four o'clock in the afternoon and you ask your boss, listen, I've got to get off, got to get off uh, work to go to training. And in those days, there was no southeastern freeway. It was, <laughs> you know, Dandenong Road, trying to get from Dandenong to Punt Road Oval in time for training. And get off work in time was it started to become a little bit of a, a problem, and sort of consequently, I was getting to training a little bit late. And right. Tommy'd been used to me being first there and last to leave for the, my whole life, and here I am with a job, um, <laughs> having to weigh the whole whole thing up of, of travelling, training, work, and about six or seven, whatever, it was eight weeks into the season, my form started to slump, and um, everything went off. And Tommy said to me, "He's Dan, he's kiddo. He said, if you're going to work at Dan, you might as well playing with Dan in all." <laughs> He said, you know, that's the way it's going. So I ended up getting a transfer to Dandenong uh, midway through 1973. You went from Richmond to Dandenong? Richmond to Dandenong. In what became uh, Richmond's premiership year? In what was uh, a opportunity to play uh, in another premiership. And uh, it was one of those things, you know, you have your, you have your life back again and, and you have these decisions. Um, would you have done the same thing again in hindsight? Of course not. But at the time it was probably, you know, it was the decision, you know, I was looking, I was getting money for the first time, a lot more money from working than you get for playing football. And it was just a decision I made, and I managed to, um, 73, I, I played with Dan and I completely lost my plot in 74. I went and played with Johnny Ronaldson, and he, he was coaching Vermont. I played with Vermont in 74, wow. and I thought, they won another premiership. I thought, what the hell have I done? <laughs> so, start of 75, I rang up uh, um, Graham Richmond and Tommy, said, oh, listen, I, I want to give this another crack. Um, I'll give up work, and I'll come back and play football, and... Uh, I did that. I gave up the job and went back and started a, another course at university and went back to Richmond in 75. And I had a little bit of success for the next three years, but uh, it wasn't the same as it was before. But in 75, when you came back, you played quite a few games, but you, yes. didn't, you didn't play in the finals. Uh, no, no, I came, I, I probably wasn't sort of, my form wasn't that good enough. I, I, I worked, I worked hard in, that was 75. Yes. We did, we did, did we play, did we play final 75? Oh, hold on, let me check. I don't think we did. 
Maybe that's probably explains why he didn't play then. I remember, I remember playing reserve. Oh, I played, we played the elimination final against Elimination Hollywood. final, yeah. I remember playing, I played reserves. I played yeah. a couple of reserves finals in 75. But uh, I came back and my first game, first game back after sort of not playing for nearly two years, yeah. I came on at the, uh, came on sort of three quarter time at the MCG and kicked three goals in the last quarter um, against oh. Essen. And everyone said, where the hell was this kid? <laughs> Where's he been? He <laughs> comes on whilst he's under the ground, kicks three goals in the last quarter. We win the game against the, the Bombers. And yeah, anyway, that was, that's, my football history and as, as far as the Tigers went. And then what's interesting is you've got 60, sorry, 76 when there's a couple of games yep. which are sort of spaced out through the season. Yep. And then there's round one, 1977. Round one, 1977. We had a new coach that year. Tommy, oh, yeah. Tommy, Tommy had left the club and uh, Barry Richardson had taken over. Um, were you, were you disillusioned at all by that? Sorry? Were you disillusioned um, at all by that? Uh, well, I think at that time it was sort of one of those strange things that sort of after the success that Tommy had, it was very strange to me that you know that he didn't get more of an opportunity to stay there. I would have, I would have, you know, yeah. thought that it was it was sort of the debt that uh, that uh, everyone owed to Tommy was a little bit more than uh, dumping him at the end <laughs> of uh, 1976, but that was the case, and then. It was just a matter of circumstances there. I, I played the first game of 77, thought I played okay, um, and got dropped. And, uh, you know, sort of then, next thing I know, a couple of, a couple of weeks later, um, I get a phone call saying from Alan Schwab saying, listen, we, would you like to go down to Collingwood tonight? We're trying to swap you to Collingwood. Um, we want you to go down there and train. I thought, what the hell is this? So I phoned up to Collingwood and uh, trained with Collingwood, you know, on a Tuesday night. And uh, I didn't want to go to Collingwood, so I just said, no, I don't want to go to Collingwood. And then they said a couple of weeks later, well, do you want to go to St Kilda? <laughs> you said I want to go anywhere. And St Kilda sort of came to me with a very good offer, and I knew Ross Smith very well. And so I thought, well, here's an opportunity. They did did all, all but guaranteed me, you know, the, the rest of the season. They hadn't won a game at that stage. They always guaranteed me the, the rest of the season to play in the seniors. I thought, well, Richmond can't give me that sort of guarantee. Here's a chance, and uh, I took it. That's one hell of a story. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up playing the rest of that season, and then uh, Mike Patterson came to St Kilda the year after, and I had a very good run for uh, two or three years until... The other new, new coach, Alex Jezelenko, came along and same situation. I think I played one or two games and then immediately Jezza got rid of me, so ended my career. I want to jump forward to the middle of 1980s. The, the, sorry, middle of uh, 1985. Richmond had appointed Paul Sproul as their coach. <laughs> Absolutely. However, yes. now I could be wrong here, he... He didn't start straight away. Who took Richmond's summer training in January well, actually, of 1985? When I, well, I, I came to Richmond in 1985 at the request of Mike Patterson, who was the coach. Mike, uh, Mike had come to me and, you know, obviously playing, playing with Mike, knowing him very well, he came, came to meet me and um, at that stage I was running a gymnasium in Sandingham and he came to see me and said, listen, we'd love you to come back to the club yeah. because I'd been involved in fitness at the Sydney Swans for a couple of years before that. I was running for the Swans and he said, listen, we'd like you to come, come to the Tigers and, uh, and, and take over as, as football manager and also get involved in the, in the training of the club. And oh, right. you, you can be my runner and everything like that. And that was fantastic. I thought, great, I'm going to a chance to get back and do a few things. Um, I got there and uh, my first week at the uh, at Richmond Football Club as team manager, or well, those days it was like sort of, you know, the gen footy manager yeah, type footy thing. Manager. And um, there was a massive board upheaval and within two weeks of me being there, Mike Patterson was sacked as coach. Um, the board was overthrown yes, and right. my good 
friend Barry Richardson um, took over the running of the club. So here's, here's a club with a, with a coach has been sacked, a new president, and here, here am I into the job as football manager uh, for two weeks, and the club's got no coach, and the player's about to come back to training, and I was given the job of pulling all the players together um, uh, while the board went and decided on a coach. Someone had to make sure that the, uh, the whole playing group uh, started to do their pre-season training and uh, get everything organised, and that was left to me. I was suddenly given the responsibility of looking after all these blokes, which I'd done at the Sydney Swans. I'd, I'd done all the pre-season training with them, but at least there was a, a, a bunch of coaches around to sort of you know sure. be there as well. But as it was, I was the one in charge of... of Doing everything, organising the venues, organising the players, uh, the whole of the, uh, the fitness training up until uh, the time that Paul Sproul was appointed coach, and then he didn't get over um, uh, to Melbourne straight away either. So it was a bit of an interim period there where I was dealing with him trying to get the players fit. Well, have we ever thanked you for doing that, Graham? Thank you for for looking after the team in the in the, in the changeover. Period. It was one of those one of those weird situations. Here I was uh, suddenly from uh, thrown into a job, and next thing you know, you're, you're in charge of the whole situation. But that was great. It was it was something that I really enjoyed. And of course, once again, end of the season, Paul Sproul gets sacked, and of course, uh, coach goes and I go. So I was, right. do- I was at the door. I was at the door. I went out on Paul's coat on his coattails. So right, and I, think, I think Barry Richardson went out the door as well. He we had all to. Got yes. yes, we all got dumped. We sort of were all we were all lined together. So I think Barry yeah. said. He offered, he gave Paul, I think, a two-year contract or something, or something like that. And he did, because yeah, he didn't yeah. get through it, he had to sort of he, take he it said, as well. He, he, he aligned himself to the coach, and because uh, because the board sacked, sacked um, Sproulley, then uh, uh, he, he, he resigned as well. And of course, I went at the door as well because TJ was coming back with uh, everybody <laughs> that uh, at that stage the board wanted. Why would you come back and coach Richmond? Anyhow, that's not story. <laughs> anyway, that's right. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about stats. I have I have fond memories of occasionally sitting in the 3RW box, uh, was particularly at Waverley Park when you couldn't fit anyone else in the box and we were packed in like sardines. Absolutely, and you yes. Were, you were doing the stats. And you had literally uh, maybe an A4 size piece of paper on the side or on a clipboard. Correct, yes. And you had your coloured markers, I think, for memory. Correct. Texters. Um and you were doing the stats. Did you always have a passion for stats? Uh, I was always well. What, one of the one of the uh, subjects I did at university was um, was statistics, um, and it was sort of like a major in statistics at university. And sort of Rex always knew this, so he figured I must be interested in stats to do it to do a, you know a university course that uh, had in statistics involved in it. And I still like numbers. I was always a numbers man. And uh, when Rex went to three AW in nineteen eighty nine, he, he rang me up and said, "Listen, Ray Young's gone. Harry Beitzel's gone. We need someone to uh, to come along and uh, do the Ray Young job of." Uh, of looking after the stats, and Tommy Laugh's gone, so we need someone to look after the interviews in the room, so would you mind doing both? So that's what I did. Sat alongside Rex for 20 years, you know, penciling in numbers, and as he's, you know, as he'd call the game, I'd watch the game and put the pen to paper. I have so many questions. How many games did you do? Do you know? Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly, but it was probably 2,476. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get to the 2,500, I'm very sorry. Not over yet, Graeme, not over yet. You, uh, bring no, you, back. I, you never know. I, I, I think the days of, uh, I ended up with champion data coming in at the end, but I used to sort of do, analyse the stats, and you became a stats analyst, you didn't become oh, a statistician, so, yeah. you, became, you became the game day analyst. But yeah, I did t- just, just under the 2,500 games uh, for football for 3AW, so wow. when you think of it that way, that's sort of like 100 games a year for 20 years, it's just uh, quite a handful. Just, just a couple of quick questions. Um, 
I always thought that, I mean, Rex's style of commentary was completely different 21 ounces. Correct. Well, mainly because he would not often call a player by their name. Yep. There was always a nickname. Did, did you have difficulty keeping stats sometimes when he was broadcasting? No, no. I, I, I found that probably 90% of the stats were kept from my own watching the yes, game. Yes, because I would say you do that. Yes. You had Rex in your ear right. um, confirming things, but with my own, I could watch. I could watch the game, yep. and it's an amazing amount of times during a game the ball is stationary, or the ball is in the air. Right. And I, I was able to watch the game, and I'd be able to sort of memorise, you know, a passage of play because the positions uh, when I first started were nowhere near frenetic as they are now. Mm. So you're able to remember exactly sort of a, a, a tap out, a ball gather, hand pass out, kick forward, and while the ball's in the air, you've got a chance to go bing, 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 three, you know, three notations on your sheet of what those three stats were. Yeah. So you know, it was mainly it was mainly watching the game myself and then sort of getting confirmation from Rex or if I thought Rex was wrong, I'd put down the player. I reckon it was the one that had the footy, and I used to, I used to understand. What Rex is, you know, yeah. um, you know what, what, what he was calling. I knew, I knew who the players were because of, I knew his nicknames. And I knew the way he used to call them. But uh, there'd be confirmation from Rex. But most of the time, you can sort of see with your own eyes what's happening out there. And, and am I right to say I think you had you had one sheet for? No, no, hold on. Yeah, you had one sheet for one team and one sheet for the other. Yeah, one, one, one sheet. One sheet. You had a, you had a, a sort of a, an A4, A4, A4 piece of paper. Like um, and you had sort of you know, numbers from one to forty in the kick column and numbers one to twenty That's in the right. handball column. And you used to just you just put a little line against a possession, so you'd know it was a kick, mark, handball, goal. You just put a little line down, um, and a different colour for each quarter, so you could tell exactly how many possessions and, right. you know they had on each quarter. And um, I didn't work off. The one thing I didn't know when I played, when I did the stats, I wouldn't have a clue what a player's number was. I did everything alphabetically, so I used to, oh. used to do my my team sheets alphabetically because my my brain worked in such a way that um, if it was Bartlett, I'd know to go to the top of the sheet. Right. If it was a knot, I'd know to go to the bottom. But if I knew that, if you had to go by number, then it's all over the place. So how do you you know you got to sure. work? You had to com- commute a number with a name. But if you just go by name. Everything was sort of just A to Z because when you you see something, if it's a B, it's going to be at the top, a C just below it, you know, an M in the middle, uh, an X, Y, Z down the bottom. So you knew exactly where to put your little pen. Um, And that was the way. I had no idea what their numbers were, but I just knew what they looked like. That's fantastic. Makes sense too. Whatever, yeah. whatever made sense to you. Whatever makes sense and whatever the quickest way of doing it is, you know, I couldn't work out how people could remember the, you have to remember, who's number four? Yeah. And then he gets to get, you just say, well, it's not number four, it's Tim Watson. Yeah. You know, that right. was the way it worked. It's, I, I knew who it was. I knew what they looked like coming towards you, running away from you, um, as long as it wasn't Chris and Brad Scott. And that way, but it's still, <laughs> I, think, I think I knew what they looked like as well after a little while. You could pick them up. They both had their idiosyncrasies. Just finally, is, it, is there too many stats these days? Are we too? Have we tunnelled down too much? I think there's there's too many possessions. (laughs) 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 I think I think the game is a lot simpler than it is. Um, And you know the the congestion, the congested nature of it obviously leads itself. But um, to me, there's there's still not a lot wrong with Tommy's theory of getting the ball and kicking it long. You get the opportunity, um, creating space and running into it and winning the football. But um, it's it's you know I I don't think I live in the old days, but I still think the game is a lot simpler than uh, it's made out to be when you've got seven different coaches of the club all trying to justify their position and specialist roles That's and they're right. all trying to have their have their 10 cents worth no doubt the players are going to be uh, getting a bit confused at times <laughs> what they should be doing with the footy in their hands that's true that's true i just look on behalf of everyone whoever saw you play 
Graham, or just listened to you on the radio because my memories are of you know Rex going Bondy, what's the stats? And he's had six kicks, three marks, four handballs. You know, there, it, it wasn't you know he's had 36 sprinted contested runs or whatever they call them these yeah. days, sort of thing. It was just it's simple. Yeah. And then we go around the grounds. You know, it was very simple. So thank you very much for everything you did on those Saturdays when we listened to the football. Oh, thanks, Fred. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a, been a great innings, uh, sort of, you know, starting off and, and finishing off. You know, my, my career it was started in football, finished in football, and uh, I think I could have had a better life somehow. It's, uh, and you had uh, Rex, who was there all the time with you, too. Rexy, Rexy, Rexy yeah. was there. Rexy was there all the time. But for the last few years, I, I outlasted Rex on the radio at 3 although Rex is back there now, but um, I could have gone back with him again, but no, not, <laughs> I, I'd had enough of him by now. Yeah, I was going to say, you needed a medal just to put up with him for all those years. Uh, we're still great. Mates, uh, we've had a we had a great career together, which uh, you look back on with a lot of uh, happy memories. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Graham. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks, Matt. Look after yourself.